Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller, Facebook. We still have a Facebook page up. I don't post anything on it, but you can, of course, friend it and like it and follow it. Brian. I just can't believe how perfectly I hit that hello that time, that time in. Honestly, every time I'm blown away by your talent. Yeah, me too. Um, so, special pod for you today. Thank you all for listening, first off. Uh, second off, Five stars on iTunes. We want them. We need them. We have to have them. We have on the show today the voice of the Nets on the television broadcast for Yes Network. We have Ian Eagle. Mm. Ian Eagle joined us on the show today. Yeah. Big friend of the show. Twice. <laughs> Two guests. Two guest appearances. Um, so you'll hear that coming up directly after we stop talking pretty soon. But first, um, we will... This pod will be released on Monday, which is probably when you're listening to it, on Tuesday morning, maybe, depending on how quickly you get to it. We'd like for you guys to listen immediately, if you could. Immediately, and then buy all the products within the ads, right? Yes. That's sort of the... Because the, the, we That's don't charge optimal. You. That's optimal listening. So if you could just do that, and even like go to Target and say, I'm buying stuff from Target because of the glue guys. Yeah. I think that's what we would like as well. Um yeah, most I, of what the ads will just be products of Target, you know, like blenders and you know that kind of thing. Just put the yeah. put the code in yeah. the blue guys, and you get nothing off. Um, thirdly, uh, we will also have a pod coming out on Wednesday mm-hmm. on NetsDaily.com, which will be sort of a season preview pod. It's a lot of your questions and comments leading into it, and we will answer the question: Will the Nets make the playoffs? Wow, that question will be answered, and we will be held to and that standard all year. Be correct forever. Um, so. Coming up is the Iron Eagle interview that we did today. Is it a, so we have you for 20 minutes, so we're just going to hop right into it. I'm, I'm, my name is Mike, and you're here with Brian. Yeah, we're old friends now. We, yeah. Second time on the show, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is there some acknowledgement that, that I've been a, a two-time guest? Yeah, of course we've got to. Yeah, we've sent you a coffee mug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sadly, I don't drink coffee, but uh, send it to me anyway. Just a, a diet Pepsi, was it? Is that the one that uh, Tom Brady caught you uh, drinking? Not like diet. I, yeah. I, I go Pepsi. If I'm going to go Pepsi. for the soda, mm. I just drink the soda. I don't. All I don't try to feign interest on on going the <laughs> diet route. What's What's the thinking behind that? Is that you know what the the fake sugar is worse than real sugar? Yeah, of course. That's how I think. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the mentality is somehow you're doing yourself a solid by having the diet version of the soda. You know the soda's bad. Right. So at that point, why not just enjoy it as opposed to curbing your taste buds and then becoming addicted to the the diet portion of it? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, so I just want to let you know. So I tweeted out a hint to our listeners that we have a special guest coming on. And the hint was the word bird. Okay. And the mm. guess we got was not Iron Eagle, but Noah no. Eagle. So, <laughs> so how do you feel that your son is already overshadowing you? Uh, that the fans want your son on the pod, and not that they don't want you, but they seem to to really want your son to come on our our podcast. I I'm comfortable with it. You know, and I, I think there are, there might be some people out there that 
that can't accept when it's their time to move on. I'm, <laughs> no. I'm willing and ready to accept. If it's my time, I'll, I'll go uh, retire <laughs> down in, in South Beach. Well, um, how your son's a senior now at Syracuse? Yeah, senior at Syracuse, uh, calling a bunch of the games. Uh, you know, at, at Syracuse, it's obviously really competitive, and you have to work your way up. You have to go through the, the cash system there. And is enjoying it. It's it's really a similar process to what I went through, which is such a complete mind bending issue in my in my whole being that uh, he's he's basically doing the same thing, albeit uh, thirty years later. It, it's pretty wild. What was your first? like uh gig out of college in terms of broadcasting what was the because i think bob costas talks about that his was bowling i think he did professional bowling <laughs> at, i mean i know he quickly moved on from that but where where, where were you in the, the it was a rodeo where was the grand scheme of iron eagle the you, first you also, thing on the resume you may or may not not know this but mike is a new house guy himself yes so he's oh, he's been yeah, through that I mean, cast well, system this, this i i bring the yeah. Brings the conversation to a whole other level. Yes, it was rodeo. I don't know if you read that in a bio somewhere. Was I, it really? I was doing amateur rodeo in Wyoming, my first gig Stop. out. Stop. Is that true? No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I started at, at WFAN Radio as a producer. I was producing uh, Howie Rose's show from 7 to Midnight. Howie, tremendous talent. Uh, I was working on the Knicks broadcasts and the Ranger radio broadcast, and the Mets broadcast. They knew that I was interested in, in being on the air, but they told me that, look, if you take this job, we don't want to hear about your on-air interests. It's not going to happen here. Accept that mm. and take this job because you want to be here at FAN. And I had a couple job offers. I had an offer in Buffalo. I had an offer in West Virginia to be on the air. But... I was from Queens. I had interned at FAN Radio. This was right at the beginning of the the sports radio boom. And I just thought to myself, I'm really going to look back and regret it if I if I don't take the job and if I don't put myself in that environment to learn and to be around what turned out to be Mike and the Mad Dog and Steve Summers and a number of other hosts that played such a big role in in those early years and i i don't think i would have done it any other way although i wasn't on the air right away it, it didn't take that long it took a little more than a year and i started getting some reps they gave me some chances covering games then updates then talk shows then i got the jets pre and post game show back in 1993 and that that really gave me something to sink my teeth into and and become associated with and then i ended up getting the nets radio job a year later in in 1994 so all of that happened in in four years and then i was off and running were you one of those uh kids who would go to the game and bring the recorder and do the game while there i had to do that at syracuse um actually my worst grade at syracuse this well, probably tells me was sports broadcasting Wow. With Matt Park, um, mm. I, had, I can tell the chip is still prominently can, on your shoulder. I think I got a worse grade. No, than, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was deservedly so. I they asked us to interview a um, an athlete, and I interviewed my friend who was on the club hockey team, 
who um, was uh, five foot one and didn't even play really on a club hockey team. But that was the decision I made. I made a bold decision. I tried to go different. Most people had a Renze Onowaku because he was in the class. But um, what, where, how was that transition from like you're behind the scenes, then you do the Jets post game, and then you jump right into Nets basketball on the radio? That must have just been like just thrilling to get sort of that progression go from, you know, behind the scenes to on the scene. Do we have a clip of the club hockey interview? Can, can we all listen to it and, <laughs> oh, and form our own have opinion? To find that. Uh, so it. I do, I do have it in, of course, in my storage oh, unit. Because um, <laughs> my friend, this was a homework assignment, and my friend literally, he knew this, okay? So we go in the WAER studios to do this, me and him, not on the air. This is just us two together. And I start, I ask him a first question. I introduce him. I say, hey, Mike Hirsch, thank you for joining us. You are the third string forward on the Syracuse club hockey team. First, let me ask you, and I ask him a question. He says, well, Michael, first I'd like to say thank you for having me here. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to mm. get, this is going to be brutal in class. And we listened to it in class. Yeah. And it was as brutal as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh, no. um, at, at what point did you ask him uh, about being five foot one? Was that the focal <laughs> point? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, How did you roll that up? I, you know, so you've done radio. You have to paint the picture. This yeah. was this yeah. was this like, was on a very short. This was man, just <laughs> so I had to paint the picture. Um, I had to let it, I had to let it, the audience know who they were listening to. That, yeah, you know, and he didn't. My friend, uh, it actually he really enjoyed it. It's probably one of his proudest athletic moments to be interviewed right. uh, for a class assignment. Um, so sad that uh, that Matt Park didn't find it nearly as entertaining. And, uh, the grade yeah. reflected that. Uh, you know, I look back on it now, and uh, everything that I did, I did with a reason in mind. And not to say that I had this grand master plan. This is how it was going to go. And after two years, I'll be doing this. After three years, it just seemed to go in the right order for me, where I was getting the proper amount of experience, and it played a role in the next step. So going out covering games allowed me a chance to meet a bunch of people in the New York media, gave me the chance to deal with some PR directors and just get a feel for how all of that worked and dealing with athletes, going into locker rooms, asking questions, filing reports after the game, doing updates, uh, forced you to compartmentalize and pick out what the top story was of that day and then try to be creative and unique in how you present it. When I got the talk show side, it wasn't even something that, that I saw myself doing in the future. I didn't go to Syracuse thinking one day I'll be a talk show host, but it then utilized a lot of other skills, humor and byplay with callers and figuring out new angles and being uh, open to the fact that uh, what you thought the topic of the show would be was not, and you had to go in a different direction and adjust. And then the Jets pre and post uh, more of a singular focus on one team, but then dealing with the emotions after the game of what turned out to be a lot of jet losses and uh, a lot of upset people calling into the radio station. And then the transition to play by play, taking all of those skills and putting them together to uh, take that next step and paint the word picture as you described with radio uh, that that was the goal and that still is the goal i do a bunch of games on radio with the nfl and that's that's part of the mindset 
television, quite the opposite. You're punctuating. You're trying to uh, add on and enhance what the viewer can see without getting in the way and without without becoming a nuisance to the viewer. You want to blend in and then put a period on things or an exclamation point on things when it's appropriate. So I think it just really used a lot of different muscles, so to speak. And in doing so, I felt that every task along the way played a role in improving for the next challenge and the next task, going from radio to TV, uh, same thing. It was one year on radio with the Nets, and then the next year I moved to TV with Sports Channel. And I look back on that one year on radio, and I thought it played an integral role in me having an understanding of of how to do this and how to attack it game by game by game. I heard. I think I heard you on Francesa. I don't know why this sticks out to me, but it was maybe about a year or two years ago. And he was saying after Mad Dog left that he was – he said this to you on the air, so I'm not saying anything I don't think – out of out of sorts here but he said that you were one of the people that he would have done the show with um do you remember that and did that hat was there were you ever approached to be like you know that must have been an amazing offer if it was ever offered yeah it, it was and it was amazing obviously a lot of history with mike and a lot of respect for him and the role that that he and chris played and in, in my career and in my development and in my love of radio Mike called me, reached out to me after Chris had left and said, hey, I want to take you to dinner. Can you meet me out here on Long Island after the show one day? I said, yeah, no problem. I didn't really get into it on the phone, uh, sat down and had a great meal and talked it through. And he did basically say, I'd love for you to be a part of the show, and I think it would be great for your career. I think we could make this work with your football uh, the basketball stuff uh, you probably would not be able to continue with. And uh, I think when I decide to, to move on, uh, which we learned he did and then came back, uh, I would like this to be your show. And that was the discussion. And it was detailed. And he had a plan in place. And I pondered it. I thought about it. I eventually called him and told him that, the timing was not right. I felt that uh, things were going in a certain direction for me on, on the play-by-play side and uh, that I was moving up in the ranks and that I felt pretty strongly that some opportunities would come my way if I stuck with it. And it would be tough to pull the, the plug on that at this stage and ultimately uh, decided not to, to pursue it. But I had a great conversation and I think it, it would have worked. It, there's no doubt in my mind that, that it would have been successful. It's just a matter of what direction my career was going to go in. And at that point, I, I just didn't, I didn't feel like that was, that was the right move with, with everything that was going on on the play-by-play end. Well, and here's, here's a transition for you. And then that was an inflection point in your career. And the Nets are at mm-hmm. an inflection wow. point <laughs> um, in their, in their sort of direction of their franchise. We're, we're entering a season where, you know, they have as many expectations, not tremendous in terms of heights, but, you know, people have expectations of some kind of success for the first time since KG and Pierce came here. Um, you know, it's not the same level, but there's expectations. Just generally, 
when you're looking at this season, when you're kind of looking at the schedule and you're thinking about how this may play out, what type of season are we going to see when we're watching Yes Network? What what type of season are we going to see from the Nets? Well, I think they're they're definitely going to be more competitive. Uh, there's no doubt about that. There were times last year where you could see them knocking on the door with their style, with the way they play, and getting over the hump was often the biggest challenge. Fourth quarter, tight games, who do you lean on, who do you rely on? And unfortunately, uh, that to me separates that level of team with the team that that we saw last year. A 28-win team, yes. Uh, More pleasing style and more exciting, but it didn't equate into the wins that would put you into a playoff conversation. I think the feeling this year is that uh, there's more depth on this team, there's more options for Kenny Atkinson, and a lot of it is going to rely on D'Angelo Russell and whether or not he is ready to take that next step. He's in his fourth year. Uh, He's come out. He's been very vocal about it. He has been a part of a lot of losses in his career, and he's ready to start winning. And his play has to reflect that. It's not all on him, of course. The major mantra with with this franchise is development, that if you come to the Nets, you're going to be a better player than the one that showed up on your first day. So that means improvement from Russell. That means improvement from LaPert, improvement from Dinwiddie, from Allen, from Hollis Jefferson, from Crabb, from Travion Graham. It's not limited to just the homegrown guys. All of these players that sign on with the Nets, the expectation is that they will get better based on their player development with Kenny Atkinson and his staff. So I don't want to put it all on Russell, but if you're looking for the headline here with the Nets, if Russell improves at the rate that they think that he can, then this team will improve along with him. They believe that he can be an impact player. And in year four, uh, the hope is that he truly does take that next step where now he is thought of as one of the better players at his position and not a player that has a whole lot of potential. Now, he's only 22 years old, so this idea that it's a make-or-break year in the career of D'Angelo Russell, I don't buy into that. Uh, It may not be the future in Brooklyn if this year doesn't go as planned, but that doesn't mean that his career is going to be a bust. He's got a lot of talent. He does have a lot to offer. The question is whether or not the Nets are going to be investing in that long-term big money, and if they see the production that they need to see consistently. And by the way, he's just got to stay healthy. He's yeah. got to be out there on a consistent basis as well. Yeah. Um, what if like more specifically, if you can pick up on any of these things, what, what do you think that they're looking to hone in on, on D'Angelo Russell's game? I mean, everyone wants the big stat lines and anything, um, but are they looking to improve the three point shooting or the passing any particular facet of the game that coaching has picked up on to improve? Yeah, these are just my opinions. They're they're not based on on anything that the coaches have put on a bulletin board and said, "Hey, D'Angelo, you've got to get better at this, 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 and this." Yeah, I think efficiency is a big part of it. I think decision making is a big part of it with him. He's a gifted scorer. Uh, the question is, 
the balance of getting your teammates involved. There are times where he may see things that other players don't see. He can make a pass, and even as a play-by-play man, you have to be completely alert with him because he's got that sixth sense where he can find someone on the baseline. The question with D'Angelo sometimes is he can do it in a way that might seem a little too cool for school. Mm. And the reality is you need everybody on the same page. So communication, uh, building chemistry with his teammates. I think the leadership skills are actually there, even at a young age and at a point where he is at a bit of a crossroads as a player. I don't think he's ever questioned himself. He's a really confident guy. Uh, There is a belief that when he takes the court, inner belief that he is one of the best players out there. And now he's just got to show consistent production in doing it. Uh, But specifically, of course, they'd like to see the shooting numbers go up. He's going to get a bunch of open looks from three-point territory. That's their philosophy, and he'll benefit from that. But I do think they, they want to see the playmaking skills as well and the ability to make players around him better because this is a better supporting cast than he had a year ago. All right, so we'll just ask you one more question, and then we'll let you go, because we do appreciate your time. Um, I would say this Sean Marks' last draft is, when I immediately saw the names that were coming off the board for the Nets, I thought of you. I thought of the pronunciations (laughs) that you'll be able to mix in as they make highlight-level plays. Have you been thinking about how you're going to do Musa and Jana Musa, and I I still don't know how to pronounce Rodion's last name. Cutix. Cutix. Um, have you been thinking about that? As they make highlights, have you been thinking about how you're going to weave it in and, and pun it up and make it a little more yeah. fun? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you've got you to have some kind of plan. You can't show up mm. completely unprepared, but you also can't show up with a list of things that you want to get in because it never really works that way. So Jared Allen... Last year, that was completely organic. The fact that he became a highlight machine and the fro ended up being the focal point for me because it stands out and and it's cool, by the way. And it it just uh, is a signature at this stage. So for Rodion's Kuruts, not Mm -hmm. Kuruks, I think that there was a little misconception, including from from me, that it was just a, a pretty simple Kuruks. Uh, Aaron Harris, the the Nets PR director, asked Rodions to say it into a microphone. So I now have an audio file of him saying, Rodions Kurutz. So like a a hard TZ there? Is that what it is? Kurutz. Yeah, a TZ. (laughs) So that actually, believe it or not, takes away some potential puns. Mm. The Rooks might have played better. I know mm. Ryan Rucco was very excited on a personal level, <laughs> but the TZ may affect some wordplay because you just have to make sure you get it out correctly. And if there's anybody that appreciates someone that wants to make sure their name is said correctly, it's me. I- I've dealt mm. with this my whole life. Mm-hmm. I-, I care. I take great pride in it. Years <laughs> ago, when the Nets made their first NBA Finals, I was in L.A. Bill Raftery and I were uh, covering the the series against the Lakers for Fox Sports New York, and that was the year before the Yes Network took over. So we're out in L.A., and Todd McCullough is on 
the Nets team at that point, one of the nicest players that, that has ever put on a Nets uniform. And we end up going to dinner with him and his dad the night before Shaquille O'Neal was going to hand him his lunch. <laughs> Little did he know at that point at dinner, but mm-hmm. I think we all knew, like, wow, this is this is not going to probably yeah. go well for Todd. But <laughs> yes, we go to dinner, we sit down, and his uh, dad is a large Canadian man. We're enjoying a nice Italian meal. And maybe he had had a couple beers or a couple wines, and he turns to me, and this is Todd's dad. He says, hey, I got a bone to pick with you. Mm. I said, really? And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of bone would he have to pick <laughs> with me? I said, yeah, well, please, please tell me. He said, the name is McCulloch. Ah, I said, what? Oh, Scottish. He said, it's not McCulloch, it's McCulloch. I said, really? He said, yeah, you've been saying it wrong the whole year. Now, Todd's sitting right across from me at the dinner table. I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. McCulloch, but I asked Todd before the season started. I went up to him directly and said, hey, how do you say your last name? Because we're going to be calling it a lot this year. And he told me it's McCulloch. And then his dad said, well, he doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So (laughs) I... I never quite know exactly how it's going to go. I'm going to trust Rodion Kurutz that it is a TZ at the end, and that's what we're going to roll with. But as far as specific calls, no. I, I, don't, I don't have any down right now. I'm open for suggestions. It's like mm-hmm. uh, Casey Kasem uh, taking requests. Well, if you got something, pass it along, and, and maybe it works. Maybe it, it feels like a good fit yeah. at some point for those two. It'll be Kurutz until we sit down with Kurutz Sr. and we find out at a Latvian, <laughs> at a Latvian <laughs> restaurant. The whole time yeah. that we've been butchering it, yes. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much. We'll, we'll wait. We're, we are excited in anticipation for those calls and all your calls this season on ES Network. Uh, Ian Eagle, thank you so much for joining us. All right, guys. My pleasure. Uh, when does the interview start? When are we? Uh, when are we recording? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now. Well, we're going to yeah. start right now. If that's <laughs> right okay. Now. Oh, all right. Wait, we got a lot of good stuff to get. <laughs> that, that's the pre-interview process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Ian. All right. Well, that was Ian Eagle. Ian, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always great to have him pop in. That was great. Um, you guys really. Um, like you guys really talk shop there. You're like you're like yeah, basketball's cool. I want. <laughs> I know. I want a job. <laughs> I know. I was thinking as I was asking the questions, like because people love Iron Eagle, but I was thinking like most people probably want to hear Nets. Yeah. Uh, I. I, like, I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I apologize again to everyone out there. I'm a selfish podcast co-host. Is how I, it says on my resume. Uh, Brian, Mike, great pod. Thanks for having me. Should we take it out? Let's take it out. Um, thanks again, Iron Eagle. Um, and netsdaily.com baller iTunes you got it hey thanks everybody bye iPods The end of the show, 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 the end of the